you have a desire that you want somebody to meet, it's not a demand, just a desire, a preference, a wish. Maybe that's your spouse. Let's say that your spouse does not meet that desire that you have, that expectation that you have for them. Well, first of all, that wish does not have to be a bad thing. Desires only become evil when we demand them from others while punishing them if they do not meet them. And so this is the scenario. You have your list of preferences. Your friend has their list of preferences. That friend, for the sake of this podcast, is your spouse. How do you respond when your spouse doesn't meet your expectations? That's the title of the podcast. That's the title of the article on our website. Thank you so much for joining me for Your Daily Drive I am Rick Thomas, and I am glad that you are here. Let me begin talking about this by sharing some of the preferential and personality differences between Lucia and and myself. People who know me well know that my wife cannot tell time. It has become a running joke in our family. I tell folks that she's omnicompetent. She can run a small third-world country. If that country is an island, well, you need to know that she lives on island time and she can't tell time. That's how I describe it anyway. I do like to say that she lives on island time and I live on military time. Imagine how that's going to go. Two personality types like this and they get married. Well, we did get married. And my anility toward time and her laissez-faire attitude toward time has been the the longest and and strongest point of contention in our marriage. We, and probably probably would be fair to say mostly me, have argued over our competing preferences, time preferences, than any other problem in our marriage. Of course, because I study my Bible, I like to spiritualize my time arguments by, by telling her how the gospel is about punctuality. That's what you see in Galatians 4, 4, that that in the perfect time, or as Paul said, in the fullness of time, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. The father brought his son into the world at the perfect time, not a second too early or a second too late. Don't you just hate it when people spiritualize their preferential desires, their arguments. I mean, who wouldn't understand this? God is always on time. And when Lucia does not get it, of course, if she can't get the biblical argument, then I can play the respect and honor card. From my perspective, these arguments have merit. And and one would think that they would be valid, unfortunately, for us. Rick and Lucia, this kind of sound biblical reasoning did not resolve our contentions. And while I have you here, by the way, let me tell you how my wife rarely locks the outside doors. Just last night, just last night was not an anomaly. Just last night was like the night before, the night before. I come home and the backsliding door is unlocked again. She can't tell time. She doesn't remember to lock the doors. You know, it was easy to make my case about locking doors. This time in history is not 1965, where you could go on vacation and leave the doors of your home unlocked. That's what we did. 
when I was a child, we'd go away for a week. We'd go to the beach here in South Carolina. A lot of people go to Myrtle Beach. I don't recommend that at all. It's just, yeah. But anyway, we did. And we leave the house unlocked for a week. Today, we live in a crazy, desensitized world where self-centered video games and Hollywood violence have emotionally numbed two generations of children. Did this motivate her to start locking the doors? No. I'm sure if I were generous and wanted to devote space in this podcast for her to make a case against me, I'm not generous. But she would tell you how I never put a new roll of toilet paper on the dispenser thingy and how I rarely leave the toilet seat down for her. She would further write about my amnesia regarding putting dishes in the dishwasher, not making the bed, or my my past reluctance to take the trash to the outside container. I think if we compared notes... I would win as far as being the most disappointing spouse when it comes to preferences and desires and and wishes. During our wedding week, a few days before we got married, her best friend came to help her move some of her things into my home when her friend walked in to my walk-in closet for the first time. She immediately called Lucia from the other room to ask if she was serious about marrying me. I hung all my clothes with the same kind of colored hanger. I mean, you do that, right? And the the hook of the hanger that, that hangs on the rack, it pointed in the same direction. I sorted my long sleeve shirts by color, and short sleeve shirts were the same, and short sleeves and long sleeves were separated. And don't forget the T-shirts. They were on hangers, too. And I segregated blue jeans from dress pants. My thinking is that This is an efficient way of ordering your closet. And God is a God of order, right? Take that. Everybody knows this. It makes no sense to me to spend more time than I have or that I need to for getting dressed in the morning. There are more critical things to do and and to think about in life. I didn't perceive a problem with this approach to hanging up my clothes. But my future wife's best friend prognosticated a problem while thanking God for her artsy husband. You see, I'm different and you're different. We're not competitors, or we should not be. And there should not be winners and losers in marriage or winners and losers in in relationships. The fact is, we are different. We have different expectations. We have different preferences. God wired us differently. Did you know she has a habit of reaching onto my plate to eat some of my food? Can you imagine it? That's my wife. You see, I was a food stamp boy whose parents were on welfare for a good portion of my childhood. Food was scarce, scarce even to this day. I'm affected by the impoverished days of my youth. My wife lived in a home of plenty. She loved her siblings, and, and they shared things. Imagine that, sharing things, loving each other. Our marriage union was more complicated than a Yankee girl. She's from Erie, Pennsylvania, marrying a a southern redneck. Uh, That would be me. Our differences were deep and wide. And though we agreed on the gospel, 
It's when we have discussed and our differing and personal preferences that things have gotten tense in our home. And so we have to find the starting point when our preferences or our expectations begin to collide, that there's no way around these problems. The bad news is that if you choose to marry a person, that person will be a sinner. I describe it like this, two sinners in a box. That box is your home, two sinners in a box, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks out of the year, and you can't get out of the box. That's the bad news. The good news is if if you are a Christian, you have a solution to your marital differences. And so I want to talk about that in this podcast. And I've titled it, How to Respond When a Spouse Will Not Meet Expectations. If you're married, you have been there, done that. If you have a friend, been there, done that. You will have different, differing expectations. Now, I'm going to assume that you and your spouse or you and your friend are, are Christians. One or both of you are not. If one or both of you are not a Christian, then please understand this. Your problems are deeper and more problematic than toilet seats and dirty dishes. Before you can successfully work on any problem in a relationship, you have to be on the same page, and there is only one page. It's the Christian page. You must be born again. This start is your foundation, the position from which two people can get along. But this is more than a born-again issue. Anybody can become a Christian in the South. Just ask. Virtually everybody was, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. But not every Christian thinks like a Christian. Being a Christian means being a follower of Jesus Christ, and that implies transformation. The goal for all Christians is a transformation into Jesus. We are to become like him, which is not just his behaviors, but also his mind We are to have the mind of Christ. We are to think like him. And so when I say that that you must be a Christian, and that is your starting point, your starting page, the same foundation, I'm not talking about that in the, the social way that people talk about being a Christian. The way you can think like him is to think redemptively. Jesus saw a broken people and made it his mission to come here to redeem them. He arrived and began scouring the countryside, looking for people to help. That's part of what it means to have the mind of Christ. You're thinking outwardly toward that other person. You are counting them as more significant. Is your main goal to help transform your spouse into Christ? or to bend your spouse toward fulfilling your preferences, do you have the mind of Christ? He was a redemptive thinker and planner, which is your starting point. Are you a redemptive thinker? Do you think about redemptive plans? When you think about your spouse, or you think about your friend that you have in your mind as you're listening to this podcast, are you thinking and planning redemptively? This perspective is part of what it means to have the mind of Christ. Is the issue more about taking out the trash or helping your spouse to mature in Christ? 
And this idea goes both ways, by the way. Both spouses have to have this value. The value is it's got to be more. It's got to be higher than our preferences. It's got to be a redemptive thought that I want to help this other person to mature in Christ. Before Lucia and I could talk about toilet pragmatics, we had to individually and maritally come to terms regarding the practical application of the gospel. Were we going to be gospel-centered is the new modern way of saying. Were we going to be Christ-centered? Were we going to value and seek to apply the mind of Christ to ourselves and each other? Now, how you answer this question will determine what you will do next. I can't overemphasize this. I'm not talking about being a Christian on paper. I'm talking about being a Christian in heart, soul, mind, and strength. Specifically, do you have the mind of Christ, meaning you're thinking redemptively, outwardly, You're going to help another person become a better person rather than mandating your preferences over them as the main thing. For the first few years of our marriage, we chose competing over thinking redemptively. I brought my list to her, and she had hers for me. This posture only divided us more. Our thoughts were not redemptive. It never occurred to me how my wife might be imperfect or how something so obvious to me would not be obvious to her. Lock the doors at night. Rather than thinking about how I could help her, it was more vital to me that she helps me, which was a non-redemptive attitude. You could say that this is a hardcore selfishness. And so step one, your starting point, if you want to get over the wrangling of of preferences mattering most, are you a redemptive thinker? Step number two, once I repented of my selfishness to her and God, we began to discuss our preferences like, like two teammates looking at the same goal, that goal is Christ. And so now we're standing side by side, looking at the goal, not looking at our preferences, but looking at the real goal, the biblical goal, the redemptive goal, who is Christ. The goal was no longer about locking the doors or being punctual. That's myopic and earthly thinking. The goal was, how could I come alongside my wife to help her in an area where she is weak, and that was her goal too. This renewed attitude is is also how she thought about me regarding taking out the trash. Let me repeat, if either one of you is not interested in this kind of intentional gospel thinking and planning, your solutions will fail. In Philippians 2.7, we learn about Christ setting aside who he was to become something else. He did this because he had gospel focus. He wanted to redeem a people to himself. It was no longer about what he had or where he was. It was about helping us. Does your approach to your spouse feel more like correction or redemptive help? Jesus didn't stand in heaven shouting out his preferences regarding our salvation. He chose to enter into our weakness, to rescue us from our imperfection. 
This mind is how we had to change our thinking. Are the discussions between you and your friend or or you and your spouse, are they more about the problems or are they more about how to serve the other person? So critical. The way you answer this question will tell you how well you're applying the gospel to your life. Jesus came to serve, not to be served. He did this by giving his life for another person. Jesus did not tell us to change and until he came and helped us to change. A redemptive spouse will enter into his or her spouse's weaknesses, helping that spouse to change. And if she wants to live out the life of Christ, if she wants to live out the gospel, she'll be teachable. She'll be cooperative. She'll be humble. She'll be willing to change. You see, this is a transactional thing that's happening. You know, what spouse, if, if you're listening to this and saying, yeah, my spouse is demanding with his preferences, well, is that the attitude that you should have if you're going to be part of the reconciliation? Of course not. This process is how redemption works. Christ entered into our weakness by bringing redemptive solutions. We humbly respond to his call upon our lives and begin to cooperate with him. That's how it works. Now, let me illustrate the gospel. After we repented of our self-centered sins and joined each other on the same redemptive page, We began talking about how we could change ourselves first. We did this before we talked about how the other person could change. And so rather than expecting Lucia to be punctual, I asked her how I could serve her so she could do better regarding her stewardship of time. Put the accent on me. How can I serve you? She has this personality quirk. I have a personality quirk and and demanding that this person change. Well, you've had this personality quirk for three decades. It would be better for you to enter into their space, enter into their narrative and ask the question, how can I serve you rather than standing outside of them and demanding that they change over months and, and trial and error? We evolved into, here, here's a short list of some of the things that, that we began to change, how we interacted with our preferences. And again, if you want to read this podcast or, or share it with a friend or use it in, in some kind of redemptive relationship, please do that. The title is How to Respond When a Spouse Will Not Meet Expectations. And so we got on the same gospel page and we began to look at each other in a redemptive way rather than a punitive way. And as we were thinking about time management and stewardship, my anility toward military time and and her preference toward island time, we began to recenter these things around the gospel. And here's some of the here's here's a short list of some of the things that we did. She talks to me about where she is going. I talk to her about where I am going. We want to serve each other, so now we're communicating to each other. She will ask my opinion on her plans, and if it is accomplishable, I will talk to her about my plans too. This has been so amazing. It's, it's not about where she's going. 
Like if she's going to to Walmart, I don't care. That, in fact, I'm glad she goes to Walmart. But if she has another appointment after that, well, you know that Walmart is a big black hole. It's like walking into IKEA. If you ever been into an IKEA store, you know it, it, it's 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 a metaphor for Hades. You go in and you just can't get out. There's no escape. And so I'm glad that she goes to Walmart, but because I know that she'll get lost in Walmart and she's butted up another calendar appointment, it's good to have uh, someone looking over her shoulder, so to speak. So she asked her, uh, asked my opinion about her plans. I, I do the same thing with her. She wants me to help guard her calendar because she can overcommit. It's just that simple. She is so competent. She can accomplish so much, and sometimes she overcommits to things. She generally texts me regarding her whereabouts, and I do the same for her. We both have a find a friend on our our phones, find a phone, so we can track each other if necessary. We have Life 360 as well, which is on our children on our uh, our children as well. They have that on their phones, and so we can track each other, know where each other are. Now, when you when you hear that, that's not micromanagement. If that is your perspective and that's what you th- you think, then you you're missing the whole point of what I'm saying. This tech feature, whether it's Find a Phone or Life 360. It has been great because many times we can text each other asking to pick up something on the way home. When our children are working, for example, we want to know that they're they're on the way home. They get off at such such time at, at 9.30. Are they on the way home or has something happened to them? It's not micromanagement. It's not authoritarian dictatorship at all. It's loving another person on one end to care about where they are and what they are doing, and on the other end that they, they are glad that we care about them. So Lucia and I, we regularly talk about the plans for our day and for our week. We only have one calendar which syncs to all of our devices. When I say one calendar, I mean, well, she's the one that runs the calendar. Of course, the calendar breaks out. It's color-coded into family, work, and school. I never add anything to our calendar because it would throw off our entire global system. But I let her know the things that I need to do. We talk about it. She lets me know if there's a conflict. And if not, she puts it on the calendar. And so there's a a method to time management. It also helps me, too, because people inevitably want to meet with me. And I never say that I will meet with you. Yeah, let's let's meet at such such time. I never say that to anybody. Anybody that has asked to ever meet with me, they know that they have heard, well, you need to check with Lucia. She's the one that runs my calendar. She blocks out family time on the calendar, and that keeps me from spending too much time at work. This is how she guards my time. You see, I help guard hers because she can overcommit. She helps guard mine because I love what I do so much that I can neglect more important things like her and our children, and so she guards our time. These are just some of the things that that we have done in the area of time and time management. It's no longer about punctual versus late. It's about serving each other for the glory of God. This intentional strategy is what the gospel can do for two people. How can I serve you? How can I serve her? 
How can she serve me? Typically, when we go on a date, I will ask her how I can serve her more effectively. This question has been standard for years. She'll ask the same for me. There's always an area where I can change, and and she is confident she can speak into my life, and it will be received. I want you to take this gospel application test. Here are three questions for you. Number one, are you regularly asking your spouse how you can more effectively serve her or serve him? Are you regularly asking this question? Number two, are you creating an environment of grace where your spouse feels free to bring his or her correction to you? An environment of grace to where you can communicate is so vital. Number three, do you receive those observations with humility, with teachability, as a learner, that's a gospel application test. Now, there is this thing within our family. We talk about it tongue-in-cheek. We talk about gospel competition. We're coming from Romans twelve ten. Now this thing has totally flipped around. Rather than demanding what, what we want and punitive, if you don't give it, now we're competing in another way. Paul said it this way in twelve ten. Of Romans, he said, outdo one another in showing honor. One of the byproducts of this kind of gospelized thinking is that it has given us a greater affection for each other. We love each other more deeply now. Now we have become competitors in another kind of way. We're trying to outserve one another, or Paul said, outdo one another in showing honor. Outserving is one of the ways you can honor the other person. My wife is great at this. She spends more time thinking about how she can serve me rather than pushing for her preferences. I'm not as good at it, but I am learning from her. Her daily example has been my greatest motivation for and means of learning how to live out the gospel. Her servant's heart motivates me to want to be like her. I want to follow her because she is following Christ. Let me close this podcast by by talking about needs, desires, wants, and idolatry. There has been a lot of necessary, necessary talk about how our desires can turn into needs. I've written many articles on our website about this. I've got some embedded inside this article. And with all points of focus, there can be a tendency to throw out the baby with the bathwater. We can indeed make our desires into needs by becoming sinfully demanding when someone does not meet our desires. But be careful about playing the idolatry card every time your spouse sins against you because you're not fulfilling their wishes. Be careful here. Indeed, honestly, he should not sin because you are not talking about taking out the trash or or putting the toilet seat down. But you should not dismiss his desires by quickly placing it in the category of false worship, idolatry, and calling him to repentance without humble self-reflection. Lucia wants me to do X, Y, Z preferentially, and for me just to proudly say, well, that's just a, a desire, and that's idolatry on your part. How arrogant. God loves to bless us with things that we don't need. He gives us many desires of our hearts, most of which are not essential. There is, a, there is very little that we actually need. Nearly everything we want from the Lord would fall into the category of desires. 
which he humbly and generously gives to us. He sends the rain on the just and the unjust. He clothes the fields to, uh, to show us how meticulous he is in caring for us. He does the same by feeding the birds of the air. We don't need 90% of the stuff God gives us daily, but he wants to bless us anyway. The gospel-centered person will want to do two things for a person who has desires, preferences, wishes. Number one, he'll want to walk his spouse through her sin when she is sinfully demanding this or that. That's true. But number two, he'll want to bless her by meeting her desires, if he can. Once God changed my heart from competing for preferences to a desire to serve my wife, taking out the trash became a joy. Our home has more shalom than than ever as we continue to figure out how we can best serve each other. And the other benefit is God blesses humble serving. Now God is in this thing, not resisting this thing, because God opposes the proud But he's no longer opposing or resisting, but now he is empowering. He is favoring. He's giving, persevering, and reconciling grace to two people who want to serve each other that way. This podcast, How to Respond When a Spouse Will Not Meet Expectations. Perhaps you'll have questions about this. And the number one question will be, we're not on the same page, and I cannot overemphasize that. You both have to be on the same gospel page. But inevitably, there'll be one spouse that will want this more than the other, one spouse who will mess it up more than the other. And so if you want to talk about this, please, we have free forums. Come to us. Let us serve you. It would be a joy to do so. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.